This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify their system for us. <laughs> Probably like getting grade 10 sandpaper rubbed on your face every day. I mean, we say it all the time, whether, you know, there's two types of turds, you're a sinker or you're a floater, but you're still a turd, right? I mean, um, we're, we're, we are about players and players playing the plays and not necessarily the plays. Welcome to the Varsity Club Podcast. My name is Derek Peterson. Joining me this week, I have Greg Smith. Greg, hello, and how are you? Hi, uh, I am well. Um, I well, I was going to say I survived the deep freeze, but who knows if it's coming back? Uh, we're all tired of it. Insert cold joke here. Yeah, um, I'm tired of it because I lost internet for like 46 hours. Yeah, I mean it could be much worse for me. Um, yeah, so I'll take it. And like my whole the whole the whole time, I'm reading about what's going on in Texas. And I'm like, I have to be nice to the windstream people. I have to have patience. It could be worse. We still have our power. So like in, a, in an attempt to keep Alex entertained, not that she needs to, to be entertained, but I felt like it was my responsibility to like give her something to do since we didn't have internet. I, I like hooked up a, an old Xbox 360 and like she was watching old DVDs on it. Um, <laughs> but like my patience was wearing thin because I was like everything in our home needs internet. Like everything, everything needs Wi-Fi. I need Wi-Fi to watch TV and I need Wi-Fi to like control the thermostat. Um, not have, to, okay, it's weird on a like tangent, but you have the PS5, right? Doesn't that, don't you have the one with the disc drive? Yeah, but it's not DVDs, it's Blu-ray. Oh, because we've advanced the technology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, so like, so like, I was like, all right, I'm trying to be patient and I'm trying to be nice, making a concerted effort to be nice because I'm sure you were probably getting a bunch of people screaming and yelling at you on the phone. Yep. Fix my damn internet, please. So that was fun. Um, the big, like, Nebraska-specific news of the week is that game in Dublin against Illinois will not happen, which is sad. Um, it's getting moved to Champaign, Illinois. It'll still be a week zero game, which I think is cool. It's kind of a showcase game for Nebraska. Um, maybe not necessarily a showcase game for the Big Ten, considering the teams that are playing in it. But but still, Nebraska gets to play on week zero, um, which means they get to start fall camp four weeks, or they get to start fall camp a week earlier than anybody else, which is nice. Uh, and they'll get their bye week on September 4th, I think is the date. So that'll be in Champaign. It's not going to be in Dublin, which sucks, but it's understandable. They were having a really hard time selling tickets for that game, which understandably so. Uh, I don't know how many people here want to to leave and travel like that. And frankly, I don't know how many people over there want us coming to them. Yeah. So there's that element of it. Greg, if you could pick a place internationally for Nebraska to go. So because this game got canceled, uh, I think 1992, the Coca-Cola Bowl in Japan is the last time that nebraska's played a football game internationally if you could pick one place in the world to send the huskers 
pandemic notwithstanding to play a football game, where would you want them to go? Maybe not who would you want them to play or, or you could say who you want them to play. Where do you want them to go? Where would you like to travel to? I, I would actually like, man, this is tough because we could go a couple of ways. I think my, my very first reaction is what I'll go with and I'll say Amsterdam. Like, I think that that would be really cool. Damn it, that was going to be mine. Oh, sorry. Okay, then I'll go with my second. Since no, 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 no. Amsterdam is fine. This is great. This is why, <laughs> this is why you're on my podcast all yeah, the time. I we have telepathy, man. True. Yeah, we always agree. So, yeah, Amsterdam would be the pick. Um, I think the Netherlands is really cool. I wanted to go there. I was supposed to go there before the pandemic hit, so it is still on my mind. Um, that trip had to get canceled, so it's still, like, front of mind for me. So I think that that would be – uh, really cool and I think it should be a conference game like I still I like the idea of like having a conference game overseas um, I just think that that's pretty cool I don't know if it necessarily needs to be a rival so I like it being someone like Illinois or like even like Purdue um, would be kind of interesting but yeah Amsterdam is my pick I was gonna say so yeah Amsterdam was mine too I was gonna say I want to see them go play Northwestern in the Netherlands so like they are crazy about European football over there. They're crazy about their soccer over there. Um, it's a beautiful country. And I would love to have this game played at Ajax's home stadium, the Johan Cruyff Arena. It seats 55,000. It'd be, it'd be insane. It'd be crazy. I would love to see that. That's funny that all of the countries we picked the same place. <laughs> what well, was real quick? What Did you have a second one? I did not. No, it's Amsterdam or bust. Okay. Uh, Paris would have been my second. Um, it's because I've always, I like Paris is probably number one, actually overall on my list of places that I want to go that I have not been. You can um, see your PSG. That's right. My beloved PSG. And honestly, that it's also on my mind because that also was going to be a stop on my amazing European vacation um, that got lost. Um, and so I actually had a plan. We were going to, there was a store that I had picked out. I was going to go buy something PSG related. And then, yeah, this, it, I don't want to get too sad. Okay, random tangent. PSG did, ha, has done and did collaborations with Jordan. And on Wednesday, they dropped um, this year's PSG collaboration, which was a Jordan 1 model. And I have been wanting these shoes <laughs> since they were announced. We're talking like two months. I've had this on my calendar, the release date. And because of my internet, I took a big fat L oh, on no. getting these shoes. I, I was so upset. So upset. They looked so great. They had a little PSG insignia on the back. It was like nice and uh, it, was, it was like a almost chromey, but not really. It was like an iridescent kind of purplish color insignia on the back of the heel, uh, which I was in love with. Very excited about it. Did not get them. So we're all taking international L's. Um, let's move on to the topic of discussion for this podcast. The reason I have you here. The recruiting dead period got extended this week by the NCAA. The what is it? The Division One Council recommended it. I don't. I don't have all the terminology in front of me, and I don't remember all the terminology. It was dumb people making dumb decisions. Um, it, it was recommended that the dead period be extended through May thirty first of this year. Uh, that recommendation was approved by the NCAA, so we will be in a dead period until at the earliest would that be june 1st 
Yeah, May 31st is when it ends. So if if it ends on May 31st or and they don't eight, decide... It could end, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, if, if it ends then and they don't decide to continue kicking the can further down the road, that will be 15 months without official visits. Um, let's just start here, Greg. There were people that had hopes that we would move from a dead period into a recruiting quiet period. Just for anybody that might get confused on the terminology or, or might not be like fully aware of, of the differences between the two, like what can and cannot be done in a dead period? What's the difference between a dead period and a quiet period? What are we in right now? We are in like the most restrictive of periods right now, which is the dead period, meaning that coaches are not able to go on the road to see prospects and prospects are not able to come to campuses. So then also since this, we went through the season with this, it also meant that coaches couldn't go and visit high schools. They could not do in-home visits. They could not go and watch high school football games. So like all of that. And then obviously players could not come to um, games that were being held on campuses this year. The quiet period is slightly less restrictive where guys, I believe, can come on campus, but coaches still cannot go out. And I think that that's the difference um, between those two. And then there's like the evaluation period and then like the full open as well. And so it's it would have been a step in the night in the right direction for prospects, obviously in coaches and schools to be able to get at least to the quiet period. But as you said, the NTA upon the recommendation of the council decided to extend it to through May 31st at the earliest. I know you're not in the room. You're not part of the team making these decisions, but like, why, why do you think it continues to get extended? So my, my feeling on why is because I think that it's really, I, I would think it's really hard for the NCAA to sanction what's essentially free travel around the country, not free as in cost, but just like you can do it, right? Like, I think that there's got to be some nervousness about saying, hey, pick, let's pick a kid from Nebraska. Hey, kid from Nebraska, you can go and visit Notre Dame. You can visit Texas A&M and then you go back home and then you go to this place. Like, I just feel like that might make the NCAA nervous to contribute to that level of travel. Um, and we can get into the why that like, it, that's like legit or not. And I think that people will have varying feelings on that. Um, but I think it's kind of understandable but I think the, the sticky point here that I think that people really let their frustration out about is that it really does just seem like these decisions get made with no like transparency, no discussion, nothing. Like it just seems like we just randomly get these decisions handed down. It also seems like they're made in a vacuum almost. Why is it okay for fans to travel from wherever to go attend an sec football game like last year but it's not okay for recruits for for a nebraska kid to catch a flight and go visit campus like in march or april yeah or you know the different levels of 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 collegiate sports have different rules um about about recruiting visits like if visits are not frozen 
across the board throughout the entire NCAA. Like <laughs> it's really just a division one thing right now. So yeah, there are all sorts of inconsistencies with this, which like I said, I think that people have a real issue with. And what's crazy is to me, or one of the thing, many things that's crazy about this is that if you look at the NCAA release that they put out about this on, was it Wednesday um, when they said this, they actually did part of the thing that I think that they should do. It's just buried. Like people aren't going to the NCAA website to read the actual release. Um, but the council chair, uh, Grace M. Grace Calhoun, actually said um, after saying that after careful evaluation, like we decided to extend it. They also said, however, this is a strong. There is a strong commitment to use the next several weeks to outline the transition plan back to recruiting activities post June 1 and to provide those plans to prospective student athletes, their families and the NCAA membership no later than April 15th. So my question would be, how many people that are, how many coaches and how many prospects and their families have no idea that that's the plan? Because I just don't feel like that's being communicated or like pumped out there in a proactive way. The answer is probably very few. We read tweets. We don't read stories. This is true. But I think that they should recognize that and probably like be more proactive or like just more like transparent. But then again, we're talking about the NCAA and it's not really their thing. Which is part of how they, how like I think we get to this point to where every time anything happens with them or they make any sort of announcement, people automatically assume the worst. And I'm not saying that this is good by any stretch of the imagination, but I think that like you're just never going to have anyone on the side of the NCAA unless you work at the NCAA offices in Indianapolis. Well, it's also like very few of their decisions have have been based in. Well, I'm not going to say based in common sense. Very few of their decisions have been like publicly positive it seems like like the one thing that it seems like they've done quote unquote right in the last calendar year was being like okay we'll move ahead with you know a one-time free transfer waiver and then this year they're like uh yeah we're not gonna do that we'll do that later yeah even that like there are some things with within that like the one-time transfer waiver um how the like super seniors end up counting against the scholarship numbers moving forward like a lot of that stuff if you notice is like a one-year deal and then they've given no more guidance about those those issues that are going to continue to snowball for schools well it was the same yeah it was it was the exact same thing they did when they froze eligibility they just said cool we're going to do it for this year but it was like that's a five-year commitment that schools are making like this is this is this is a five-year impact on the the sport not just this year so we need some some clarity on what the the next four years are going to look like as well um i've seen several people relate an extended and lengthy dead period to the transfer portal and say oh well the transfer portal is going to be booming i've seen a handful of you know, you see those viral tweets whenever recruiting news is happening and it's like people telling, giving advice to recruits. And like a lot of it uh, the other day was like, if you get a committable offer, get in that class right away because spots are going to fill up. Why, why, are, why are the two being related together right now? 
So, I, well, I believe that the the transfer portal is booming um, thing that you keep seeing is because if if we've been in this extended dead period and there are so many prospects that I tweeted out that have not been to any of the schools that have offered them. So like in the example that I gave in my piece that went live uh, on Thursday is Ernest Hausman, the Columbus outside linebacker um, who is blowing up right now on the recruiting scene. Like not only has he not visited like Michigan who's offered him or Iowa, like he hasn't visited Nebraska. He lives down the street. So like, like you have to understand that. So then if you continue to kick this can down the road and guys end up having to make decisions without having been on campuses, then it's just kind of natural to assume that you're then going to end up having um, an increased number of transfers. I don't know how much more the transfers can actually explode given the numbers that we've seen going on right now. It feels like we've reached a, like kind of a swelling point here of how many transfers you're going to have, but I guess it could always get worse. Um, but there, there shouldn't be that much room for it to grow. So I do think that it's natural to assume that. The other question on if you have a committable offer to go ahead and take it, this is something that was getting kind of talked about in the 2021 class. And I think I actually think that this is smart. And I think that one of the things and I think that you, you and I have talked kind of privately about this is that I think a lot of times or some of the time kids like to play kind of the recruiting game where we're collecting offers and we're kind of seeing if that next tier of schools up, um, I get an offer from one of those schools, or maybe I've got that dream school that I'm really holding out hope for. But in the meantime, I'm kind of ignoring these schools that have already offered me, but, um, but also have legitimate interest in me instead of the school that's kind of maybe either stringing me along or I'm holding out hope for. And then you look up at the end of the process, that offer never comes and you should have taken one of the ones that you got earlier or at least talked more seriously to those schools. So I do think that there's merit to really evaluating the schools that are interested in you now and trying to make your decision as best you can. It sucks and it's tough to have to do it this way, but you do need to, it's more of the, what is it, the, the bird in hand deal um, and going ahead and looking at the schools that are interested in you because waiting to the end in a year in which spots are also probably going to be a lot less this year um, across the board could really get you in a sticky spot down the road. So you talked about this a ton last year kind of through the last football season and leading up to the, the last football season and, and you and I have talked about this privately and we've probably talked about it on a podcast or a radio show or whatever um, like the like being in a dead period not being able to bring kids to campus is is a detriment to Nebraska's recruiting it's not good for Nebraska specifically on the recruiting trail like and and that's not just football that's with every sport here at Nebraska like the the magazine that we're putting out that we just announced the cover for on on Thursday um I wrote about a women's basketball player who was at Cal who got recruited by Nebraska. And she told me point blank. She's like, yeah, I thought it was just cornfields. And then I came out here and I was like, I didn't know this was here. Like that is a legitimate thing. So we know how important it is for Nebraska to get kids to campus to, to come either on unofficial or official visits. We know that from the high school prospects telling us and from Scott Frost and his assistant coaches telling us how important it is. So we don't, we don't really have to rehash that conversation, but 
the the committable offers thing, getting classes early thing is interesting in this context. Nebraska continues to be um, one of the the programs that offers that, that sends out the most scholarship offers in the country. I think they were that again in the previous recruiting cycle, or maybe it was 2019. I don't know how updated their numbers are. Um, they don't have anybody in that class right now. You look at like Ohio state has 10 commits already for the 2022 class. Yeah. You're laughing. Ohio state's ridiculous. Um, yeah. Rutgers has seven. Rutgers currently has the ninth ranked class in the country on two, four, seven. Uh, Oklahoma state has seven. They're the 11th ranked class. Michigan has five. Let me just look at the big 10. Uh, Ohio state has 10 Penn state has seven Rutgers has seven. Michigan has five. Maryland has five. Uh, looks like 11 big 10 teams have at least one commit in their 22 class. Nebraska does not. Why is that? And are you, I mean, it's still very early. Is that something to be not necessarily concerned about, but made aware of right now? Why do you think they don't have anybody in the class yet? Because typically Nebraska at this point would only have that one, maybe two guys that committed early. So Logan Smothers, who was committed forever before he got, you know, to be able to sign Teddy Prochaska. Um, was a year early. I'm sure Garrett Nelson was was way early as well, right? So they usually only have one or so. And part of this is linked to why the visits are so important. In part because part of the strategy that Nebraska employs on how they recruit guys and really make that final push towards getting those spring commitments is having guys come to campus for spring ball. Right. And so remember that just before the dead period went in now a year ago, they got, I think, was it two practices that that Nebraska got in before the dead period or before everything got shut down, including the dead period? They had multiple visitors for those things. Like, I think I know for sure that Harburg, Prohaska and Lutovsky all came for those um, early practices. And that just continues. What they usually do is they have guys come, they try to have somebody of just about every practice leading all the way up to the spring game where they have a really big, um, large number of recruits come in. And then the spring game is about where they start to really pick up steam um, through now the summer when you have the summer official visits. So I would say that the reason that they don't have any yet is because they haven't been able to have guys on campus um, plus, they weren't able to have guys on campus from the 22 class for game days last year, which they also do to get ahead um, so that they can see those get the game day experience. Now, I would not say that it's a reason to be concerned yet because of that. I would say if we get past the spring game time and there's none, then you could start to, you know, lift, raise your eyebrows a little bit but it still will be relative to what's happening around the conference because I'd be curious to see if other teams continue to race out. Um, and we're going to probably get to the point if, if things keep getting extended where kids do like they did in 21 and just decide to start making decisions, right? Like you're going to also see that. Um, but all that said, do not compare what Nebraska or really anyone outside of Alabama or Clemson is doing to Ohio State. 
um, that will get you like get your feelings hurt really badly. As I think off the top of my head, they have two of the top 10 players committed to them already, including the number one player in the country. So like put them to the side, look at the teams in the big 10 West and what they're doing. If you really want a comparison. Yeah. Ohio state flipped the quarterback kid from Texas. You and I kind of laughed about it. Are, are they going to rival Alabama's 2021 class with this, this most recent class? I think so. I think that they're trending that way because it really feels like it, it does feel like what Bama has been doing where Ohio state has just been picking who they want. Right. And they're, they're doing it from all over the country too. Like they're picking guys from wherever and just saying, come, just come on in. Because I think what ends up happening with schools that are really established and have like a strong pipeline to the NFL right now and a lot of winning football, like Ohio state, it's going to benefit them that all of this stuff keeps getting extended and there's this uncertainty because if you're a kid, a, a top rated recruit that has an, a committable Ohio state offer, you should just probably go ahead and jump on that. Plus they're able to actually be selective anyway. Like it, it's just, they're in a really good situation, but honestly, there's only a handful of teams in that situation around the country right now. Right. So is it worth pointing out two of the guys that you mentioned that were in the class in their classes early, Teddy Prohaska and a guy like Garrett Snodgrass, those are local guys. Is it worth pointing out that like the local guys right now haven't really been able to be around the program much because it would have been because Nebraska didn't get to do the, the junior days event last year. Did it? They did get, they got two in. They did. Yeah, no, they got two in because those happened in January. Those were really the last big things that happened. They had two of them in January. Were the top guys there? Yes. Uh, yeah, they had they had basically everyone that they wanted. Because like Ruquan Buckley from Michigan, who's in the class, well, he's on campus now, um, came out for that. Like I know Fedoni was at one of them. They had several guys at a bunch of those, yeah. Okay, my timeline is off then. Um the top four guys in this class and really the top two who are top, I think 150 recruits like Deshaun Woods and Devin Jackson out in Omaha. Like, is it, is it worth pointing out? I mean, my parents, my grandparents live in Omaha and I don't really get to visit them much because it's an hour drive and it's just, you got to find the time to do it. Like, is it worth pointing out that those kids, they just haven't been able to come to campus. So even though they are local kids that this recruiting dead period is impacting Nebraska that way too. Yes, because I think that one of because I think one of the things that gets lost with those local kids is how often they can just kind of pick up and come over here like whenever, right? Like so for like um if you were a like well last year during the season and you were a 2022 kid like Devin Jackson or Deshaun Woods or Caden Helms and you did not really want to go on a long trip away for an unofficial visit, like, hey, why not? I'll go check out a game at Nebraska. Maybe a couple of my friends are going down there. And it's just another time for the staff to kind of be around them, right? Like, or even if they weren't just like over the top excited to go, they might just go because it was something to do, right? Which sounds bad, but at the same time, if you're in Nebraska, you'll take that because you're just getting them here and getting them around the game, the atmosphere and around the players and all of that. So there's definitely value in that. So not having that, then having another struggling season while also 
having those kids kind of be very keenly aware of the fishbowl nature of Nebraska and all of the different criticism, I think it is a recipe for being more behind than normal with some of those in-state kids. A lot was made in this last cycle about Nebraska recruiting more regionally. And as we've seen them have transfer portal issues, kind of that regional recruiting focus has sort of been emphasized even more. Um, Just with, I mean, kids go far away from home and then realize, ah, I probably wouldn't be closer to home. And then, you know, with the the pandemic and everything that sort of exacerbated that, that thought process, Um, they got, they got what five of the top seven kids in, in the 2021 class from the state of Nebraska. Yep. They got a lot of kids just in their 500 mile radius. They hit on a lot of their, their top targets. Do you see, them having the same kind of success this year if they go like let's say the recruiting dead period gets extended again like we get to to april early may and they're like yeah we're just we're not comfortable with it we're going to extend it again do you see them having the same kind of regionally focused class do you see them having the same kind of success with that approach or do you see there being potentially even more struggles Yes and no. I see Nebraska either way. I actually see Nebraska having as much of more success in the region um, because I think that the the region is strong once again. Um, and I, I I just think that there's a couple of like even in like Kansas City, which is an area that Nebraska needs to be in more and has continued to explode. I went to actually one of the last things I traveled to um was uh, in Kansas City with Michael Rosivy and the camp that they put on. Like, there's so much talent out there. Um, and so Nebraska, like, in theory, could get, like, two of their wide receiver commits from the Kansas City area this year, which would be huge given how they tend to recruit that position and how much turnover has been um, at that position. And then you have guys in Kansas. Obviously, Iowa has continued to be a focus. Nebraska, we've talked about, will will also be a focus. And I think more guys will continue to emerge from in-state. Nebraska always does well in Dakotas, too. Um, And so, yeah, I think that they can – can make a a real dent in the overall class based on just the region. But the difference is going to be, and this is what I actually think may, well, I hesitate to say this earlier, that this is going to define the class, but an early thing to watch for defining the class is just how well Nebraska can do in state. Because if Nebraska puts together another top 20 class, but they only get one of the, five currently offered players from the state are people going to view that as a success that that's where I think it could end up being kind of sticky for them uh this cycle who are the five in-state offers so you have Devin Jackson the outside linebacker from Omaha Burke who at one point was the rated the number one outside linebacker in the country you have Deshaun Woods from Omaha Central the offensive tackle slash offensive guard depending on if you ask him or not um, who's a national recruit you have Caden Helms uh, the tight end from Bellevue West Um, you have the other tight end from Bellevue West Mike O'Reilly and then you have Ernest Hausman uh, from Columbus who like I mentioned uh, before recently picked up Michigan and Iowa offers um, and is continuing to pick up offers by the week. So those are the five guys that are offered in state right now for 22. If Nebraska gets one of those guys, 
will this, you just kind of rolled your eyes at me. Will (laughs) the circumstances around this recruiting cycle be a viable excuse for only hitting on one of those guys, one or two of those guys, do they, like, what, what needs to be the hit rate for, for people, for you to not be like, yeah, this was a miss. Three, probably. To, well, to fit, man, I'm, that's tough. Cause the, hmm. do you need one of those top guys? Cause, cause I said they got five of the, the top seven from the state last year, but they didn't, they, they missed on two of the top three in the state being right. Avante Dickerson and, Keegan Johnson yeah so like if they miss on Deshaun Woods and Devin Jackson like that's a problem right yeah it is because those two positions um outside linebacker and just offensive line is always going to be you know kind of a, a spotlight here um would be really tough to lose those guys especially given like how highly rated Devin Jackson is but I I, I could also see a scenario, though, whereas you're going to end up with some, yeah, maybe those guys didn't come here, but there's a yeah, but with it, right? And I can lay it out for you quickly. Like, maybe Devin Jackson doesn't come here, but is he actually better suited to play a 4-3 outside linebacker versus Nebraska wanting him to play inside linebacker? And he doesn't agree with that necessarily. Um, and he wants to put himself in the best position for himself to succeed in college. Like maybe um, Deshaun Woods wants to play offensive tackle, but Nebraska thinks he's an offensive, thinks he's a guard. Um, with the tight ends, like it's actually pretty easy to say, hey, Nebraska signed probably the best tight end group in the country in the 2021 class. Do they want to come like with all of those guys who are freshmen and emerging in the program they just got here? Um, and then Ernest Hausman would be that one. I still think would be just a miss. Like it would be hard to explain that because I think he is like absolutely fits what they need as an athletic um, linebacker. And he's got a little bit more size even than Devin Jackson. Um, but you could say, I guess maybe he just wants to go see the world. Like that would be weird though. So yeah, you could have some built in excuses there. But I'm just going to be honest. I don't think that's going to fly if that if it goes down like that. Woods is a little small, just based off the the profile that they've been recruiting for tackles, right? Yeah, he is. Yeah, I I think he is, and I think that that's why they. I think that they're pitching him as a guard, and I don't know if he agrees with that. But you and I have talked to him, and we both came away kind of blown away by just him as a kid, right? And so, like I. Yeah. Like I just based on that, he's the kind of guy that you want in your program outside of him being a really talented football player. Like he's just a great kid. Um, And so that would be tough. But we I mean, we're going to find out a little bit more in a way because both Woods and Jackson are scheduled to put out top fives on Saturday. Um, And that's going to be interesting. So we're uh, approaching the end of February. It's February 18th when we're recording. It'll be February 19th, 20th, 21st, maybe, uh, when when you guys listen to this. Um, we're still very early in the process. As things stand, as you kind of look at what Nebraska has in front of it, what Nebraska has on its plate, where, where Nebraska is trying to go with this class, how do you feel about where they're at from a recruiting standpoint right now? with just with the 2022 class yes i think they're actually probably in a little bit better spot 
than we realize just with being down the line or down the road with some prospects that they really like, especially within the region. Like I think that there's a number of prospects in the region that they really like that really like Nebraska. And so as what often happens with Nebraska recruiting, it feels like is you get things kind of happen in bunches or like we didn't quite know that they were this far along with prospect X. And it turns out that this kid's about to commit. Um, so I think that they're in a decent position. It's just really tough on Nebraska and not to continue to harp on this, but it is a fact without having those visits. Like that really is their big joker to use a spades reference um, in this, in the scenario of them trying to make a move with different recruits. Um, but I think that they're okay right now. I don't think that at, at this point, anyone should be panicking by what's happening. The first home game for the 2021 season is Buffalo, correct? Yeah. Buffalo. Yeah. On September 11th. If there are fans in the stands and the dead period has been lifted and you can have visits and all that, that could potentially be quite the environment. Yes. And I'll, I'm already like, goodness, I need two of me uh, to cover the, the recruiting <laughs> event that that will be. Yeah. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. We got a, a lot to do before we get to that point. But it's, yeah, well, right. There's a that I, I that's the carrot at the end of the stick right now, and it's a pretty enticing carrot. So um, we'll see. Greg, I'll let you get back to uh, your day. Thank you for sharing your recruiting wisdom, lending some knowledge, talking us through this this mess. The 2021 kids got screwed over, and the 2022 kids uh, might get screwed over unless things change in June. We'll see. Greg, thank you for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Always a good time. We will be back next week with another one. In the meantime, keep reading HailVarsity.com. Subscribe to HailVarsity. I kind of plugged it earlier. The magazine is coming out. I have a feature story in that. Uh, there's also a story on Levante David and Indomitian Sioux. Um, I heard one of the quote-unquote tall tales that's in that uh, story, and it's, it's quite good. You will want to get it. Greg, what do you have in the magazine? Um, I have a recruiting notebook. I'm kind of talking about the formation of the 2021 class. Um, and then I also did a Q&A uh, with Dewan Baker over at the university who heads up their diversity and inclusion department. Um, really good guy, really sharp guy. It was, it was a great conversation. I think that it was, so. I, honestly, I think it was so long that we're probably going to have to put the whole thing on the website as well. Um, but that be looking out for that as a great conversation. I've talked to Dewan before. I'm very excited about that Q&A. Uh, haven't gotten to read it yet, but I'm very excited about that Q&A. So make sure you are subscribed to Hill Varsity. Get the magazine, read the website, subscribe to Greg's podcast with Jay Foreman, the Straight Up Breakdown podcast. Subscribe to all the other podcast offerings. Um, we are a proud part of the Herd App Media Network. I don't have the link in front of me. I should have the link in front of me, but go to hillvarsity.com and, and you can click on the little drop down menu at the top of our page and you can find uh, where we have all of our podcasts listed. There are a lot of them. I'm not going to list them all out. If you are not subscribed to this podcast, do so. If you have not rated this podcast, do so. Leave a five-star review or, as I say every week, I will send you Scott's Tots clips to your email inbox. We'll be back next week. Thanks, guys. Hood at Media Production.